Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Aileen. And I'm Brittany, and today we are joined by Mallory Whitmore, the formula mom, to chat all about the recent formula shortage, how it happened, and what parents could do. Welcome, Mallory. Thank you for joining us again. Yes, thank you for having me, and thank you for bringing attention to this issue that's affecting so many parents right now. Yeah, this is horrible, and I can't believe this is happening in America. Um, I know. So we're definitely looking forward to um, discussing everything about the crisis. And for those of you who don't know, Mallory, you were on our podcast this past fall, Mm -hmm. actually. Could you just give our listeners a little bit of a background of how you became the Formula Mom? Yes, of course. So as you mentioned, I'm Mallory. I am a mom of two. I formula fed both of my infants. I'm a certified infant feeding technician and founder of the Formula Mom, which is an online educational platform to provide information and support to formula feeding parents. And that was largely born out of my own really tough experience with trying to breastfeed my first and the drama associated with that, which turned into postpartum depression, which just was not working for us. Yeah, well, we know yeah, we know, we know all, about that. all about that. <laughs> yeah. You just detailed my experience yeah. <laughs> to a T. Um, so, okay, so can you give us the, some context about like what is going on with this shortage because it seemed mm-hmm. like it escalated pretty quickly but I feel like it's is it because of the recall like can you can you share like how we mm-hmm. got to this place and exactly how bad yeah. is it yes so I think parents that have that are currently using formula have been seeing some shortages and finding some products less available for several months now. I know back even around Christmas time during the Omicron surge, we started to see a little bit less supply. And so all of these factors that were an existing struggle related to the supply chain and decreased workforce participation and COVID quarantines and everything else, All of that then was magnified by this very large recall that we saw in late February from Abbott, which is the parent manufacturer, the parent company of Similac. They pulled basically all of their powdered formula off of the shelves uh, and they shut down their largest manufacturing facility. And a lot of folks don't realize that Similac controls 40% of the formula market. And so they are the largest formula company in the US. And when they close their largest facility, that means that we just see a huge dearth of products on shelves. It's interesting because that happened in February and it has taken a while for us to truly see like the repercussions of this. And I know people have questions like, well, it's three months later. Why are we just now seeing this? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of folks had 
some stock on hand. Mm-hmm. I think some folks were um, okay using the formula that they had, or they weren't sure that it was recalled. It took a while for folks, I think, to really get the ex- or the recalled formula out of their homes. But yeah, so what we're seeing now is just an absolutely unprecedented crisis with national out-of-stock rates above 40%. In some states here in Tennessee, where I am, we're seeing an out-of-stock rate above 50%. And so that means you've got 100% of the formula-feeding parents fighting over essentially 40 to 50% of the stock that we would typically see. Are you seeing that um, the shortage is equally distributed everywhere or it's different in in different mm-hmm. locations? Everywhere is experiencing some shortage, right? but it tends to be more acute in areas that are lower income where more families rely on WIC, which is the Women Infant Child Program, which is supplemental nutrition. And so WIC participants typically get formula covered and they're typically limited to one specific manufacturer. In Tennessee, it's Similac. Obviously, that's not working for us currently. But uh, generally speaking, in lower income areas, you have a larger proportion of families that are part-time workers or hold multiple jobs or don't have any maternity leave. They're back at work within two weeks or six weeks. Those communities tend to rely more heavily on formula. And so we're seeing that they're hit the hardest. Right. Um, I mean, before even the recall, so my child, she's nine months old. She mm-hmm. was on Elementum powder. She mm-hmm. thought that the ready to feed was disgusting. So she was <laughs> on the powder. And at that time, there was a shortage of Elementum. Like we couldn't find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it was like insanely priced, like expensive. It was like way more than before. And I was like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, then there was this, the recall. And I was like, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. And, and then we switched to Nutramagen and, Mm -hmm. and then, then that one you can't find anywhere. So it's just like, but I feel, and then for some reason I decided like, let me buy some European formula. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, there was been a lot of questions about European formula. A lot of listeners submitted questions. Mm -hmm. Um, what is the deal with it? Like, is it um, nutri- is it nutritionally equivalent? Is it has it be- quote better ingredients, worse ingredients? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of comparisons on Instagram, yeah. a lot of like fear mongering about ingredients of U.S. Ing- mm-hmm. You know, um, so can you just share more about European formulas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And truly, what I'm saying now about European formulas is pretty different than what I would have said even six weeks ago before the shortage was so acute. I think what we're finding is that parents are having to make choices between what they view as the least risky options. So I've always been of the opinion that while European formula is a great option, high quality ingredients, that there are risks associated with importing. Largely that you don't know when it's going to arrive. You don't know how long it's going to be sitting at customs. You don't know that it's temperature controlled. The packages can get damaged in transit, things like that. Now, when we have parents that aren't sure they can even find anything on their store shelves or they don't have time to drive to seven stores, those risks of importing seem insignificant, right? (laughs) So we're seeing more and more families that are turning to European formula just because they don't feel like they have any any other option. There are some differences in 
the nutrient guidelines associated with U.S. formula, which is regulated by the FDA, the European formula, which is regulated by the European Commission. They're very similar. It's not like babies in Europe are super different in terms of what they need than babies in the U.S. Babies European are babies. babies are just so cool. They're, they are so, so fancy. Yeah. Um, the, the key difference that the FDA has always had an issue with with European formulas is the iron content. Right. So European formulas exist in stages. So you can get stage pre, stage one, or stage two. And the iron content increases as you move up those stages. Here in the U.S., all infant formulas have to be appropriate from zero to 12 months, which means that all infant formulas have to have enough iron for an 11-month-old. Whereas in Europe, you know, your stage two formulas are going to be appropriate for an 11-month-old. So because of this difference, just the way that the structure is uh, with the formula labeling, the FDA is always like, no, you can't bring it in. There's not enough iron. Even so, we know that breast milk has basically no iron. So sometimes I'm like, why are we even fighting about iron? Babies have iron stores from pregnancy, provided you introduce solids at six months. Your baby's going to be getting iron from solids, especially if you're introducing infant cereal or meat, lentils, you Mm -hmm. know, those sorts of things. So by my estimation, yes, absolutely. European formula is safe nutritionally. We just want to be careful about some of those risks of importing, like how long it takes to get here, how long it's sitting at customs, and also that the labeling instructions are in English or that you have a good translation so that you're sure that you are mixing the formula appropriately. Right, because it's different. Like there for the European formula, it's mm-hmm. one scoop. The scoops are smaller. Yeah. It's one scoop per ounce, and it's actually a little bit confusing to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you've got a lot of brands that you'll get your package and it's in German or it's in Dutch. And then you're like, "Um, okay, I think this is how it works. Yeah. So it can be a little tricky. Is it legal to bring in European formula? Yes, it is legal as an independent consumer. So like an individual parent to order formula from Europe and ship it in totally legal. What is not legal and what gets into sort of like an ethical gray area is for third-party resellers to store batches of European formula in the U.S. in an unregulated warehouse and then ship it domestically. What's unfortunate about this is that when we saw more third-party reseller warehouses we were able to get European formula in two or three days because they were shipping from Utah instead of from Belgium or whatever. Um, The FDA really cracked down and seized a lot of the supply of European formula at these domestic warehouses in fall 2021. Mm -hmm. And so now most folks, if you're going to import, you have to buy it directly from Europe, which is the legal route, but it also takes way longer. How do you know which which websites are doing it the right way? Generally, if they're offering overnight or two or three day shipping, you know it's not coming from Europe. So if you want to be sure that you are going through legal channels, you're going to want to make sure that you're ordering from the manufacturer directly, whether that's HIP or Hole or Kendamil or whatever, and that it's going to take at least five days to get here. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Although I did, before I had my kid, I did buy a bunch of European formula just in case. Yeah. And I, I got it. We didn't use it. 
But then mm-hmm. like much later, I got this letter from mm-hmm. the like US Customs that said my mm-hmm. formula was seized, but I had it. So I was like, just really confused. I thought I was being arrested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, is somebody coming to my house? But then I just I was yeah. like, let's pretend I never got this. And I threw it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I just was really confused by that. But does, do you think mm-hmm. that's what happened? It was, I, I didn't buy it from like a source that was mm-hmm. legit. Yeah, most, most likely. And again, fall 2021, as if the FDA like had nothing else to do with COVID and everything else, there was a huge crackdown in importing of formulas and they shut down a lot of the retailers. They were like going into people's homes at night and like writing. It was crazy, crazy. And so, yes, there was just a big effort, especially at customs to try to prevent that product from entering the United States. And it's interesting because right now with the formula shortage, the FDA has totally taken a 180 and now they're asking European suppliers to apply for expedited approval to send formula here so that we have some product on the shelves. And I'm just really interested to see how it all plays out because right now they're saying, okay, we're gonna give some of these manufacturers approval. We don't know which ones yet, but only through November 14th of this year. And then I guess suddenly the FDA is gonna decide that those formulas aren't appropriate for American infants anymore. It feels very political. Oh, it, it's very it's very political. And the, you know, f- the three main formula companies, Similac, Enfamil, and Gerber, are huge. And they have a they have deep pockets. Uh-huh. They basically have a monopoly on the industry. A lot of them, you know, are working with lobbyists in Congress, or they are represented by, you know, the dairy industry interest mm-hmm. makers, whatever. And they have a real incentive Mm -hmm. to keep European formula out just because it impacts their bottom line. So it's interesting. We'll see where this goes once they start allowing for the short term. I think they're going to have a hard time convincing people that they shouldn't buy it after November when (laughs) they've been allowed to buy it currently. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy, you go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So there are other uh, producers of formula that are just smaller, mm-hmm. like Bobby, where you need a subscription. Mm-hmm. And there is a new one that I heard of um, for for Heart. Is that what it's called? By Heart. By mm-hmm. Heart, um, yeah. which is a newer one. So yeah. I know they closed off subscribers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, are they experiencing any type of shortage because there are, there are now people giving their subscriptions over? I actually did that. I gave my friend my uh, mm-hmm. subscription. Um, yeah. Am I allowed That's to say nice. that? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you didn't, yeah, well, maybe. I'm helping out a friend. Um, yeah. That's really nice. <laughs> um, so are they experiencing any type of shortage? Mm-hmm. They have done a great job handling a lot more volume than they ever anticipated for this year. But absolutely, they have both gotten to a point where they just cannot produce formula quickly enough for the increased demand left by basically a 40% decrease in the market on one week in February. right. And so I really appreciate that they are trying to take care of their subscribers, that they're trying to make sure that anybody who's a current customer can still be prioritized. But it is heartbreaking uh, for families that didn't get in, that weren't grandfathered in because they already had purchased, Mm -hmm. that it's just one less option for folks. And I know they're both working around the clock to try to figure out how to produce more inventory, Mm -hmm. how to get more staff so that they can answer more calls so that they can do more batches and load more trucks and everything. But they're experiencing staffing shortages like everybody else. They're experiencing ingredient shortages like everybody else. Bobby especially uses a co-manufacturer that also does Burt's Bees and Happy Baby and generics. And so they also have to share the warehouse lines with these other brands. And so it's just really tricky. It's not as simple as like, oh, well, the other brands should just make more. They're all trying to make more, but they're just limited in terms of space and capacity. Right. So sort of speaking to what we were talk, kind of talking about earlier um, and the ingredients, uh, I feel like what I'm seeing a lot of now and what you said about like big dairy and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of all this conversation about big dairy and, you know, all Mm -hmm. the politics and then that goes down a bad rabbit hole online and people are all conspiracy, this conspiracy, that make your own Mm -hmm. formula. (laughs) And like I've, I've looked into what all these people are saying not that I would ever consider doing that Mm -hmm. myself because like that's crazy, but, um, I was just shocked at how ma- I was reading the comments and mm-hmm. how many people are like pro this mm-hmm. and like talking about that's what our great grandparents used to do. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about that? Because they yeah. also, like I said earlier, like demonize the ingredients in mm-hmm. formula now. And in that moment, I like checked in with myself and I was like, I'm kind of feeling badly for feeding my kid formula, even though I'm just like listening to this girl who literally has no credentials. So, (laughs) you know, I checked myself that in that moment, like, no, Aileen, you're fine. So can you shed, like share a little bit more about Mm -hmm. why making your formula is not a good idea? And also like what you hear about the ingredients and like why it's Mm -hmm. actually, they're okay. Yeah, absolutely. So we know that breast milk is very complex. We know that formula manufacturers have been trying for almost a century now to figure out how to create a product that replicates it. And we're seeing advances in that year over year. Because we know breast milk is so complex and because we know that truly our nation's best and brightest scientists haven't figured it out, you know, to a truly comparable degree, we can't assume that we can go to the grocery store and use our unsterile kitchens and just do a better job. If we're encouraging folks to do homemade formula, we, were, we run a couple of serious risks. Number one is that 
the ratio of nutrients is very specific in breast milk. We're talking, there needs to be a certain essential fatty acids, a certain percentage of calories need to come from carbohydrates, a certain percentage of calories need to come from fats. We know that breast milk is dynamic and that it changes over time. And formula is very specifically crafted in order to meet the nutrient needs of babies throughout that first year. And it's just really difficult to try to mimic that at home. And if you get it wrong, you risk things like electrolyte imbalances, growth deficiency, anemia, rickets, seizures, heart arrhythmias, just, I mean, really significant and serious illness or death. And we're already seeing reports of infants that have been hospitalized due to these homemade formula recipes. And then the other issue you have is that it's really difficult to make a sterile product in your house kitchen. You know, it's not, (laughs) you don't have an aseptic workspace. And so, you know, the whole reason why we're in this mess largely is because of concern about bacterial contamination and the risks of bacterial contamination for infants as related to the recall. And now I'm seeing folks make choices that are so much riskier in terms of the possibility of bacterial contamination, especially if you're using raw milk. And I've seen so many homemade formula recipes with raw milk. And I'm like, that is an equal. Raw milk? Yes. Yes. Like that is. Oh my God. Like from a cow? (laughs) They're giving it to a baby? Yes. But unpasteurized, unhomogenized, you know, full of whatever bacteria was on the cow's udder, literally. And so I, I fear that we're going to continue to, yeah, that we're (laughs) going to continue to hear about, um, hospitalizations and long-term issues related to insufficient nutrition and bacterial contamination with these homemade formulas. To answer your second question about, okay, but the ingredients, like, I don't know. Right. I totally get it. It is weird and feels uncomfortable to pick up a can of formula and realize that the first or second ingredient might be corn syrup solids. And then after that, it's like soybean oil or canola oil, like that feels a little icky for a lot of folks, especially Mm -hmm. because for a lot of parents, we wouldn't consume those things Mm -hmm. in excess. What's important to remember for babies is that they don't get real choices about where their nutrients come from. As adults, we can get fat from avocados or we can get fat from French fries fried in canola oil. We can get protein from almonds or we can get protein from fish or we can get protein from a hot dog. We can we have the privilege of making choices because we can tolerate a wide variety of foods and because our nutrient needs are pretty flexible day to day. Infants don't have that privilege. And so if your baby cannot tolerate lactose or milk, if they um aren't able to use a whole milk-based formula, then they need fat from somewhere else. And that's where the vegetable oils come in. So I just like to encourage folks to remember that babies have really specific needs and that every ingredient in formula is there for a purpose. And that purpose is to provide nutrition that is as close to breast milk as possible. And that has to include something to provide carbs and something to provide fat. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Is there an end in sight? Where are we going with this? What's being done to make sure this never happens again? 
Yes, we are seeing a lot of pressure at the top for policy change, for an overhaul of how the FDA holds companies accountable for providing safe products. We're hearing a lot of calls for diversification in the market so that the market isn't so tightly controlled by just three companies. It's going to be a while before we see any meaningful change because it's going to be a lot of red tape and we know that government is slow. Mm -hmm. So long term, before we see you know, a more robust supply chain so this doesn't happen again, I think it's going to be a while. In terms of when we can expect a difference in our stores, likely in the next like six weeks or so, which I know if you have a baby who's hungry is an eternity, but I think that's as early as we can reasonably expect. So the government is doing a couple of things to try to address this issue. The first is that the Justice Department and the FDA entered into an agreement with Abbott to reopen that Similac plant in Michigan so that they can start producing formula again. So they should be open within the next two weeks, and then it'll be another two months before we see their formula on the shelves. Biden also invoked the Defense Production Act, which is requiring suppliers of formula ingredients to prioritize orders from formula companies. So for example, if a dairy provides milk to Enfamil for formula and also to Jenny's ice cream for ice cream, they would have to prioritize the milk for Similac above every other one of their vendors. We're also seeing that the Defense Department is using Department of Defense airplanes to transport some of these specialty formulas, hypoallergenic and amino acid-based formulas from Europe to the United States to try to increase supply for medically complex infants and children and some adults as well. And then we have seen a relaxation in requirements for WIC participants so that they're not limited to just purchasing one brand. So there's a lot in motion that should help to ease the situation. But again, it's probably going to be at least four weeks, likely six to eight weeks before we see a meaningful difference. So what can people do in, in the meantime? Like what have people mm -hmm. been doing that's been working? Like what's like good alternative solutions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are some that are better than others, but there's not a great hole in one solution as much yeah. as I wish that there was. Even our sort of first line solutions of talk to your pediatrician, they may have samples or, you know, call your local mom and pop pharmacy, they may be able to place an order. Those things are sort of running dry. So what I'm encouraging folks to do is to reach out to family and friends, especially if they live in uh, other states or outside of your community and see what they have access to, see if they're able to mail or send to you mm -hmm. what they can find. If you truly cannot find anything, you can consider looking at a toddler formula. And there are a handful that meet the FDA nutrient requirements for infants, even though they're marketed for toddlers. So these are babies only, Cabrita and Serenity Kids. They're typically sold at Whole Foods, Sprouts, and other health food stores. They're marketed for toddlers, but they have appropriate nutrition for infants according to FDA guidelines. So I've been encouraging that. Folks can consider donor milk if that's something that they're comfortable with, whether through a bank or informal milk sharing. Although I like to make sure people realize that breast milk is a bodily fluid. And so you have to be very careful 
and try to do your best to screen whoever this milk is coming from. Never purchase breast milk under any circumstances. That creates an incentive for folks to water it down or to cut it with another milk product in order to make more. So never purchase milk. The AAP has come out and said if your baby is over six months old that you can introduce cow milk for up to a week if you're in a pinch. I would prefer 10 times out of 10 a toddler formula versus whole milk for a baby that young. Um, you can get into some concern about anemia with long-term use. And then a lot of it is just calling manufacturers, figuring out when their shipments come in, networking with friends and family to see if they can hit up certain stores while you hit up others. It's a lot of sort of bootstrapping just Mm -hmm. to try to find whatever you can. But things you shouldn't do are make your own. What about diluting? I've seen, I've Ab- heard that. Ab- no, absolutely not. And I understand the temptation to do that, but it can mm-hmm. cause really significant electrolyte imbalances that can lead to long-term consequences for an infant's health. So don't dilute formula. Don't reduce the number of feedings that you're giving. You know, mm-hmm. don't try, if you normally feed every three hours, to try to stretch your baby to four hours so that you're only doing, you know, 22 ounces a day instead of 28 We want to try as much as possible to keep babies on the same volume of formula that Mm -hmm. they had been before. So don't dilute. Don't skip feedings. Don't make homemade formula. If you are really, really in a pinch, contact your pediatrician or a pediatric dietitian, and they can work with you on trying to come up with something if you Mm -hmm. can't find any of those options that that we discussed. Is there any risk to hopping between different formulas? Yeah, that was a listener question. Yeah, Yeah, that was. For most infants, no. If your baby doesn't have an allergy, if they don't have a medical condition that affects their, you know, nutrient absorption, whatever, you can definitely hop between whatever you can find. Folks should be aware that there can be a transition period for seven days, sometimes less, sometimes a few days more, where you might see that your baby is more gassy or has more reflux or, you know, has changes in stool, texture, color, frequency, all super normal. Doesn't necessarily mean that your baby is having a reaction. It just means they're adjusting to the new ingredients. So as long as your baby's not showing major signs of allergy, like blood in the stool, widespread rash, eczema, projectile vomiting, things like that, most infants can switch without much issue. What about like stockpile? Like a lot of people are buying in large amounts. Yeah. Is that greedy or are they, you know, doing surviving? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where when where's the line? It is so tough. And it's easy for me, my youngest is almost three, to be like, don't hoard. It makes everything worse. (laughs) And, you know, that is the general stance. The general stance is you want no more than two weeks of formula at a time in order to make sure that everybody who needs the formula has access to it. If I had a baby right now, I know, like that is horrifying, right? Right. No, that's that's horrifying. horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) So be looking every minute, but right. I understand why it's yeah. also extremely not like you're not participating in, in, in right. the community. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's really tricky. And there are a lot of parents that don't have the ability to go spend five hours every other week to try to find their formula. <laughs> Gas prices are high. People don't have childcare. 
It's not reasonable to ask everybody to just start over every week and a half looking for the next two weeks formula. So generally speaking, I ask people to be mindful of what they're buying, especially if you're buying something on the shelf. If you're importing or using a subscription, it's a little bit different because those folks generally have a better sense of what their inventory needs will be compared to, you know, folks don't know Kroger doesn't know how many people are going to try to hit up for formula on any given week, especially lately. So just encouraging folks, try to be mindful. And if you find that you have more formula than you need, reach out in your community and see if anybody else could use it. Right. That makes sense. And also I posted on stories, but Sean Johnson and her husband Mm -hmm. started the formula exchange. I think it's Mm -hmm. the formula exchange.com. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, It's in my, it's in the Betches Moms formula shortage Mm -hmm. highlight and it's awesome what they're doing. Um, They're Mm -hmm. connecting people from all over to get them formula. Oh wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So check that out. In terms of like shipping, one of our listener questions Mm was, can people from other countries like to help, can Mm -hmm. they ship formula and I guess that's sort of relevant mm-hmm. to an exchange yeah. like you were talking about temperature control and mm-hmm. like ways in which it's not necessarily sanitary yeah. um mm-hmm. what what are the you know guidelines with mm-hmm. with that yeah so again I think people are having to become okay with risks that they might not otherwise become okay with and there are ways that you can reduce the risks if you're mailing or receiving formula, especially across state lines or overseas. The first thing is that you want to make sure that the formula is packaged well, whether that's bubble wrapped or, you know, packing paper or whatever, because you don't want the formula to get broken or dented in transit, which could allow bacteria or water to get in. So package the formula really well, and then just make sure that you're sending it with as little time as possible. So if you're in the States, that means overnight or priority. If you're international, that means priority, whatever, which again is going to get really expensive. But that's the best way that you can ensure that it arrives safely and also pay for tracking if you can so that you know where it's been, you have an idea of what the temperature is like there, and you know that it is on the way and not getting stuck somewhere for a long time. If you are shipping to somebody, should you – is it worth putting, like, ice packs in there or is that – Like, what's the temperature? Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> I know. It's tricky. So you don't want the formula to freeze. Right. But ideally, you want it to stay roughly around room temperature, you know, 20 degrees on either side for a short period of time is okay. So I have not been advising people to put a nice pack in. If you know that you are shipping somewhere like Guam or somewhere crazy that this is going to take a week minimum, I think you could consider it. But even then, your ice pack is going to melt. So it's a little tricky. I think everyone's just sort of having to evaluate what makes sense for them based on their risk tolerance and based on where they might be sending to. Right, right. Um, Just you know, sort of to close, are there any really good resources besides Formula Mom um, <laughs> where people can, you know, connect and Sean Johnson's company mm-hmm. or, or resource? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are, are you seeing anything really um, helpful online? Honestly, the most helpful that I've seen are local Facebook groups for moms 
and the Nextdoor app community to community because it's always going to be safer and easier for folks to exchange formula nearby than it is to ship all over the country. So I've been encouraging folks, talk to the other moms in their community, check out the Facebook groups. See if there's somebody, even somebody who's not a parent or doesn't have little kids who you can identify for your community as like the formula sourcer and they can be in charge of calling all the retailers and figuring out when the shipments come in and when they restock and can distribute that to the other moms. That to me seems like it has been most successful versus some of these larger entities just because it's hard to coordinate from state to state across the country, what everyone's needs are and how to get it there safely. Right. Moms in Facebook groups are hardcore. Oh, Oh (laughs) Mobilizing the mothers is Mm -hmm. like, is you can get a lot of shit done. Oh, I was going to say moms (laughs) get shit done. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I hate that we're in this situation because truly no mom needs anything else to worry about right now. Like we have enough on our plates. And so I wish we didn't have to step up and like, figure out how to rescue one another from this. We shouldn't have to, but it's been really encouraging and inspiring for me to see, especially in this world of infant feeding, which can be very polarizing and be very Mm -hmm. controversial and us versus them and whatever. It's been really great to see moms coming together and saying, you know, I don't have a baby right now, but how can I help you? Or I exclusively pump. Do you need any extra milk? I have some in my freezer. It's been great to see moms really trying to take care of each other. Right. What's unhelpful is a lot of like tweets or things like that mm-hmm. from people like making judgmental comment, like Bette mm-hmm. Midler. Did you see yep. that she, no, what she made say? some shitty comment about you should have just breastfed. She was like, well, everyone what? should just breastfeed. Yeah. Have you tried that? <laughs> like, I'm like, home, how, how old so are you? Ignorant. Yeah. 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 When was the last time you breastfed? No, I that's, know. But, I'm like, but okay. no, I mean, it's just such an unhelpful, like, even if you do think things like that and you like you said it is polarizing mm-hmm. and it's it, it's only recent it's only been like the last several years where people are very comfortable talking about formula feeding mm-hmm. um so if you have judgments like that just you know y- your comment is not welcome <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. not helpful and no. it's not like leave it until yeah. like wait till the crisis is over and then interject yeah. if mm-hmm. you want Um, but I just, I, that shocks me when I see that online, Mm -hmm. like what, how, why, why, but anyway. Yeah. And it's those same moms that are like, you shouldn't be a troll. You shouldn't be judging other moms. (laughs) And like, I'm so like, it's, yeah, it's very hypocritical. But anyway, that said, thank you so much for Mm -hmm. joining us today. And, um, so where can people find you online Mm -hmm. or wherever? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at The Formula Mom, as well as www.theformulamom.com. And I have a variety of free resources and paid resources for all things formula. That's great. Thank Um, you so much. Thank you, Mallory. And that is it for this episode of the Betches Moms podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, follow us on Apple and Spotify. Follow Betches Moms on Instagram. As Brittany said, we have a highlight on the formula shortage and any more resources that we do find. We are trying to post for everyone. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Please stop talking. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com.
Betches.